Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion on our beautiful topic on love today. We're so glad you could join us. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And we warmly welcome you all. We'll begin today with our morning prayer. I'm reading from page 139 of Divinity Course and General Collectania. Love is a mighty spiritual force. Let the good you can do and the stimulating of action keep your mind from dwelling on the past, for the present demands your care, and you must go forth to meet the future calm and strong. God is your refuge and a strong deliverer. He will hide you under his wings till the storms are past and the sunlight of his presence cheers and invigorates you with new strength and exaltation. Yes, he who clothes the lilies will tend you and gird you with strength and in truth and love, and so establish the labor of your hands in his vineyard. Never distrust, never doubt the all-love, for it never faileth. Your, as your day, so shall your strength be. Be patient and let faith grow stronger and stronger each day of this pilgrimage. Mary Baker Eddy. Beautiful. Thank you, Florence. Right, our watching point, Karen. Watch number 257. Watch. Lest you believe that the right order is to take in science first through the head before the heart is ready. Jesus gave the parable of the two debtors, declaring that the most love came from the one to whom God forgave most. Mrs. Eddy opens the chapter in the textbook on Christian science practice with the story of Mary Magdalene versus Simon, as if to warn us, that those who take in science through the head, or intellectually, like Simon, love little, and do not make the steadfast student, but those do who take it in through the heart, through repentance, meekness, and human affection. Once Mrs. Eddy said, quote, I have learned from bitter experience that the head instructed before the heart is ready costs me and our cause dangerous difficulties and sore defeats, end quote. She also tells us on page 60 of the textbook, quote, a mother's affection cannot be weaned from her child because the mother love includes purity and constancy, both of which are immortal. Therefore, material affection lives on under whatever difficulties, end quote. Perhaps this is a hint that when Christian science begins to make strong demands on students at which human sense rebels, only those remain loyal to it who love it, who have taken it in through the heart <clears throat> or, the, <clears throat> or the feminine nature. Those who have accepted it only through the head or the masculine nature, as one might learn mathematics, 
fall away when the demand comes for self-sacrifice. Healing the sick and reforming the sinner, reach the heart, which all the talk and argument in the world cannot do. To Mrs. Eddy, true healing was that which reached the heart of the one healed and brought forth spiritual devoutness and contrition. Once she said, quote, the true science, divine science, will be lost sight of unless we arouse ourselves. This demonstrating to make matter built up is not science. This building up of churches, the writing of articles, and the speaking in public is the old way of building up a cause. <clears throat> cause. The way I brought this cause into sight was through healing. And now these other things would come in and hide it, just as was done in the time of Jesus. End quote. Thank you. Okay, comments. Well, I've definitely been thinking about the difference between between taking science in through the heart and rather and instead of intellectually. And uh, really thinking about the difference, and making sure that I that I do um, I love this truth and love this science for its own sake. Um, so I, I that's it's been very helpful for me to make sure I'm checking my thought about that. Thank you. Yeah, and doesn't this help why it took a woman? Mary Baker ready to discover the science? Yeah. You know, think about it. The male chauvinist tendency is uh, gets in the way, doesn't it? And if if the if the mother love turns into smother love, that also gets into the way, doesn't it? We really do reflect both the feminine and the masculine qualities in ourselves to be able to practice this science. I mean, it, and isn't that a, a wonderfully liberating thing? Yes, Lauren? <laughs> yeah, I mean, without love, what are we doing? Without love, what are we doing? We have to find something in science to love. And I love the way he, he uses the mother love as an example. And Mrs. Eddie representing such, you know, and people are put off by that. I know many people cannot accept it. The great love of God, which can come through healing, like she says, you know, she's, I don't know if we find something, something in science to love, to really love, then we can keep on going no matter what is happening. Yeah, this is so very true, and I've certainly seen it throughout my years here. And one thing was very certain about Mrs. Evans that kept her in place was she loved Christian science and she loved Mrs. Eddy because she went through terrible times and trials, but she never stopped. She never deviated in her course. She kept going. And love 
is required to do that. If you take it in intellectually, you will pop off very quickly, most likely. You have to have the love for the science and for the science sake, no matter what difficulties you are walking through. And I've seen beautiful examples amongst all of you who have proven this, that despite how hard the way was, you know, you could easily say, oh, science doesn't work or this, that, or the next thing. But your love of science and your love of Betty has have kept you going. Mrs. Eddy says it's always good to have the goal in sight. Um, and that goal is the liberation and spiritualization of all mankind. It's, it's not selfish. It's a far greater goal. And that is wonderful. As I have said, my definition of hell is only to think about yourself or have your own problems to deal with. That's a definition of hell. Um, so, if, yeah, Carrie sent this. This is something interesting, a little addition to that watching point. Um, Mary Baker Eddy once said to Lida Fitzpatrick, a worker in our household, the building up of churches, the writing of articles, and the speaking in public is the old way of building up a cause. Despite her praise while in Concord for the huge Excelsior extension, Excelsior Extension in Boston, next to the original smaller Romanesque church, in order not to deflate her followers. What did she say to the household about it? Too much matter. Too much matter. Mm -hmm. Now, now, I have a, a book I got, and plus you can Google it, of pictures of churches throughout the world, really, but especially in our nation. I mean, my gosh, by that I mean America. Huge, and some of them look like federal buildings. I mean, so much matter is right. Um, I, you know, you lose it. You lose it. I love this small little humble churches, but these huge big things, and I think that's so revealing that that is what Mrs. Eddy said about the extension. And we all know the story of um, when she drove there. I believe it was maybe it was from Chestnut Hill, but she she looked she looked out from her carriage, uh, but she didn't get out. She said, "Drive on." She did not want to get out. She didn't want to get in it. The church, I mean. Um, I, I think then and there she realized what was going to happen. Not before, and it did. So be careful of too much matter. And what did she say about um, Chestnut Hill when she got there? Blended misery? Yes. It's misery. She was not impressed with anything but... Heart, yes. So, and I thought this. Go ahead. I just wanted to say this reminded me of that Bicknell Young statement that Christian Science needs to be demonstrated, not to be advertised. You know, we can't use the human tools to build it up. It just has to. You have to just work it. <laughs> so, 
And that's that was a wonderful you know, lesson for me, and it's been proven here. So it's been proven here. It's the only way because God picks those He wants to come to this church, and when we try to advertise and go into the human ways and means, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's not how we operate. Everything has to be through demonstration, and yes, certainly through the healing. That he said that's what would build the church up is our healing. And our healing is done through love with a capital L, which we will talk about more in this beautiful lesson of love. And many of you sent in lovely things. Um, so, Karen, I'll begin with you. Would you yeah, the first thing I sent to Mary was my one of my favorite paragraphs about uh, from Tomlinson's book, page 90, where she, um, the first, he says, the first day's teaching on the subject of love, she concluded somewhat as follows. And then she, there's this beautiful paragraph. Love is the father who is strong in his care for his children and provides for every need. Love feeds, clothes, and shelters every one of his dear ones. Love is a mother tenderly brooding over all her children. This mother guards each one from harm, nourishes, holds close to herself, and carefully leads along the upward way. Love is a shepherd who goes forth into the darkness of the night, into the storm and wind, to find the lost sheep. This shepherd of love leaves the beaten path, searches the wood and marsh, pushes aside the brambles, and seeks until the lost is found. Then he places it within his bosom and returns to heal and restore. I, I just that just moves me so much when I when I read that I, I made a copy of it. I don't need this. Yeah, I just love that. And then I sent um I don't know how much of it you want me to read about Mary Magdalene and the Reekies, that last paragraph I said, sent you. I don't think I got that, me but to... I am going to go into Oh, you didn't? I don't believe I did. Maybe Oh. did anyway. Oh, okay. Well, I just sent the last, the last part where, um, where Riki talks about the, um, the hair zone numbered by the father. Okay. Um, so if you want me to do <clears throat> She, she said, he says, a few scientists sometimes want to become so abstract in their mental work that they leave out of their thinking the father-mother quality of God. Don't do this, or you will miss much of the inspiration that is needed for good work. Talk to God often, just as you would to a loving parent. But don't waste time talking about evil, your shortcomings or the shortcomings of others or you will be separating yourself from him who knows only infinite good. Rather, tell him how grateful you are for all the good that is unfolding in your thought and experience and that of the world. Let him know how sincere you are in your desire to reflect him in all his glory. But most of all, listen for his answers. You will not hear them through your ears, but in your heart. His answers will come in the form of such clear realizations of truth that healing is instantaneous. 
Speaking on this point, our leader has written on page 411 of the textbook, quote, If spirit or the power of divine love bear witness to the truth, this is the ultimatum, the scientific way, and the healing is instantaneous, end quote. In an earlier edition of Science and Health, this is the way our leader expressed it, quote, To let spirit through the power of divine love, bear witness without arguments to the healing truth is the more excellent way, end quote. You can see by these statements that healing by argument is not the ultimate way of healing in Christian science. It is only a temporary method until your thought is in tune with infinite good. The highest form of prayer or Christian science treatment is the process of listening to and hearing God's voice in your heart bearing witness to the perfection of all. This mental attitude, which heals instantaneously, can only take place in your consciousness as you realize God's closeness and love for you, as you truly recognize that your hairs are all numbered by the Father. And that this very last part where he says, Mary Magdalene was not alone. God was with her and very interested in her and her complete freedom. None of you are ever alone. God is with you, interested in you, your family, your business, and your career. His energy is devoted to helping you be the finest Christian scientist possible. He is intent on enabling you to practice Christian science effectively and instantaneously. Your hairs are truly numbered by your Heavenly Father. Thank you very much. They're they're both beautiful. Um, and I was going, I was planning to circle around to that Herbert because what he writes in there about the story about the Mary Magdalene and what Mrs. Eddy writes is, is truly beautiful. Part of it. So something everyone should be familiar with in his association address. Thank you. Um, Welcome. This, too, I thought, and, and I guess, uh, yes, <laughs> I was looking all over for it, but um, Jeremy had, had it on the carousel. That's why, it, and I knew I'd read it recently. And it's Mrs. Eddy's prayer described by Clara Shannon. Um, I was very much impressed by listening to our leader's audible communion with God, as we call prayer. I heard her address, I heard her address God as, quote, precious mother love. Darling Mother, show me thy way, end quote. There seemed to be such a perfect communion with divine love as a child has with his mother. When referring to God, she nearly always called God love and would say, love will show me. Again, the importance of being both the fatherhood and motherhood of God. Uh, it was... Truly, the chauvinistic thought that rebelled against Mrs. Eddy, and even according to the healer, the book by David Keaston, um, you know, it was the men even in her household that turned against her. They thought they were doing right and good, but they saw her humanly, and they didn't see her uh, as she truly was. And you have to remember at that time, it was very extraordinary for a woman to have 
formed a church, gotten this revelation, and, and done all that she's done. So these are barriers we are breaking. Um, and she certainly was breaking for us. She led the way in many respects for this. So I'll, I'll never forget once in one of our classes with Mrs. Evans, Mrs. Evans um, brought out, because Mrs. Eddy does say that the female thought is more spiritual, doesn't she? Yes. All right. Well, there was someone in the class who just, boy, he blew up over that. <laughs> I think he got up and left. So uh, that was, that was the end. <laughs> he had just moved to Plainfield. <laughs> And he stormed out. So, uh, so just everyone, we must all check our thought and and have no uh, what chauvinism. Chauvinism, yeah. I mean, females can be chauvinistic too, I'm sure. But anyway, it's the father, mother, God. So, but it's uh, about it's about time because this is how we we don't know about or we don't read Mary's gospel, right? But we know there is a gospel, Mary's gospel. Absolutely. Uh Thank you. And we know that Jesus, because she was, I mean, John was a beloved disciple, but I know Mary was too. And we know that he spoke to her privately because her thought was so spiritual. She could understand advanced metaphysical concepts that others who who were too materially minded could not. And that was, you know, the Catholic Church who who prohibited so much and, and put, down women. put down women. Other churches too, though. What? Hmm? Yeah, other, other churches. churches too, yeah. Yes, very so, much so. I think that also was um, the significance of him um, going to marry after his reservation because he knew it was important that he appealed to her, but he didn't appeal to any of his disciples. He could have done so. But, he, but she sought him. Yeah, she was the one who sought him, and he appealed to her. So that time, her thoughts were respected. Thank you. And when she first told the other disciples, they didn't believe him, believe her, right? She. Um, she had that spirituality, and and also we know how much Mary Baker Eddy loved her mother. Um, she just loved her mother, and of course her mother loved Mary. So I think she felt that tenderness easily, transferring it to her father, mother, God, Mary Baker Eddy. If you ever go to along your museum, you will see you know, these letters that she wrote to her mother when she was first married in in South Carolina with her first husband and just the love that poured out toward her mother and how much she missed her. And anyway, so she had that great tenderness and love, that her love. There's also the story in the Gospels where Anna was in the temple. It was right after Jesus was born, and his parents were bringing him in. And she she recognized him, even though he was a baby. 
Um, and she goes, here is the salvation of Israel. When nobody else in the temple even noticed that the, the baby had come in. It was so beautiful. And, you know, this, this right concept of woman, womanhood must be cherished and protected. Because what is happening in the world today is to denigrate it and, and uh, turn it into something it is not. So we must cherish it and, and keep it pure and keep that in our, in our own womanhood and in that of our children. And, and also the, the fatherhood of man, too, what that truly means. Something very wonderful. So and do that in our prayers and in our watches. Because this will help revolutionize the world, the right concept of these things. When God was when it was turned a little louder, Benjamin. It was time for God to um, to give the revelation of Christian science. I mean, this part of Christian science always. Um, very good uh, impact to me because remembering the history of this country and the history of uh, other countries around the world, in 1800 was the time when women basically don't have power for anything other than stay home and cook. But that was the time God chose Mary Baker Eddy. He got chosen the men in power, but he didn't choose any of them because there was no humility. Even though many of them were, they have of God in them. But there's still some part of them that time that was not ready for the world. But Miss Lady was born ready for perhaps exceptional science. Yes, thank you. And as we say, she's she is the woman in the apocalypse. All right. Our next is Nancy. Nancy, you want to share what she sent? Uh, yes. Um, well, I sent... Um, you talking about the article I sent or my forum thing? <laughs> I'll first start with the forum. Okay. So I wrote about um, the... the um, in Jeremiah, the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. And I found in Gill's um, that not not a love of old or for a good while ago, but from all eternity, and with a love which will always last and does, notwithstanding dark and afflictive providences, for this love is like himself, sovereign, unchangeable, and everlasting. This love will endure to everlasting without any variation or change, and nothing can separate from it. And then it goes on, Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. I've drawn thee out of a state of nature, out of Satan's hands, unto Christ, to nearer communion with God, and at last will draw to eternal glory. This is an instance of the love of God, a fruit and effect of it. It is love that draws a soul to Christ. 
and is the cause of its coming to him. It is love that reveals him to it and causes it to come to him. Love is then manifested and shed abroad in the heart. A court of it is let down into it, and with it the Lord draws. It is not by the threats of the law, but by the declarations of grace in the gospel. The cause of drawing is love, and the manner of it is with it. And I just thought that was beautiful. That was from Gill's exposition on the Bible. It's very beautiful. All these things you're finding. Just beautiful. What a description of this. Wow. And, you know, I, I know so your concept of God influences your everyday life. I know this to be true. And we all have to shake ourselves loose of false false theology that we might have had passed down to us um, inadvertently usually or sometimes through parents sending you to certain religious schools or whatever. Um, and, and this includes the false concept of Christian science that many of us were raised with. Mrs. Eddie or Mrs. Evans used to say that's the hardest thing to break through. It's like you were a programmed. Um, so you've got to cleanse yourself of these false beliefs and come into the true understanding of this as the God of love, unconditional love, uncondemning love. These beautiful readings are wonderful. So thank you. And Nancy, also a beautiful article, which I believe we can put on our website um, because it was written in the 1940s. It's The Great Heart of Infinite Love by Louise Burford Brown. And it starts in a poem entitled Signs of the Heart. Mary Betty, Mary Baker Eddy writes in the second stanza, O love divine, this heart of thine is all I need to comfort mine. So beautiful too. And then it, it goes into this infinite heart of love. One of our songs that our little chorus sings, as that, I always think of an infinite heart of love. To understand and to know this infinite heart of love will heal all heart troubles. Without a doubt, I have seen it over and over again. And I've recommended often anyone with so-called heart problems to look up in questions and answers where Mrs. Eddy question is asked her, do you believe in a change of heart? And she again answers it beautifully. I've read it to you before, so I won't again, but this article brings us out, too, um, about how, day as yesterday, the great heart of love is expressed in the living, palpitating presence of the healing Christ, revealing the divine nature of God to men. It is restoring the sick, reforming the sinner, and raising the dead through the gentle ministry of Christian science. As thought becomes spiritualized, this great heart will be understood to be inseparable from the life-giving, animating, creative principle. And then, you know, where Mrs. Eddy says in Science and Health, the vital part, the heart and soul of Christian science is love. Without this, the letter is but the dead body of science, 
pulseless, cold, and animate. Now this too sort of goes back to that watching point because if what you have is just learned totally intellectually, it will be pulseless, cold, inanimate. And as it says in yes, Ephesians, a sounding brass and a tinkling. Yes, and that's what, you know, when Lawrence started out with that, without love, what are we doing? <laughs> without love, what are we doing? We're doing nothing. Nothing. Even if you do something that appears to be very successful humanly, if, if there's no love in it, you've done nothing. Not really. So, so anyway, that's a beautiful article that we can uh, put on our website. And this, um, this article also says that there is but one heart, the heart of love, pulsating, impelling, stimulating, energizing, controlling, and animating man. So these thoughts, knowing there's just the one heart, the infinite heart of love, will heal any heart problem. Guaranteed. Your heart, when your heart is beating for God, that's all you need to know. You have life mm -hmm. because of God, not because of your order. Lawrence? No, I think perhaps it helped, it helped me to think of the fact that he loved us first, or he loves us first, you know. And because he's like, oh, how do I love? Well, he loves us first. He loved us. He loves us. All of us, everyone. So how can we not love him? Thank you. That's so important because that's a concept people have trouble with, especially if they have had a life of feeling unloved. You have to work at it to get to know that he loved you, loves you. Get to where you're, you really can feel that. Because you can't love, yes, unless you first know that he loves you. Because that, that is love. That is our example. When we feel God's love, that is what we should be expressing to others. That is why it goes hand in hand. There are two, you know, there are two, there are two commandments. To love God. In other words, love the truth. Love the source of all life. For what it for what it is, and then love one another as God loves us. There isn't anything worth the life than that. Yeah, but love alone. And you know, when you feel that, Mrs. Eddy said she even loved the blade of grass under her feet. You will just feel this love for everything and everybody just comes pouring out of you impartially. One of the articles. Um, Gary sent from William McKenzie talks about the candlestick, that the light, light shines on everyone. It doesn't just shine on certain people, right? It shines on everyone. Again, that's what um, Lawrence was saying. It loves impartially. It just, it just loves. And that is what you will feel. And we, we have on our website something Bob sent us. Um, I put it in Noteworthy News where it's a, uh, a ISIS leader 
and in his prison cell, the Christ came to him. And he, he is just weeping, telling this story, because he he's totally reformed and changed. He didn't know of the love that he felt at Christ. He'd never experienced it. And we can know this to be true, that he says what the love glances in the prison cell. It is everywhere, without exception. They must love like that, that divine love. Because the human love, if it doesn't meet um, a thank you or appreciation, it'll turn to hate. <laughs> turn to hate. So, in, in Science and Health, in the chapter on marriage, what Mrs. Eddy says that we love even though it meets no return, right? Don't worry. Just keep loving. It doesn't need some form of thank you. You just love because that's what love does. Sun shines because that's what the sun does. Don't ever withhold your love. If you find yourself withholding love, that's human, not divine, other love, experiment. And when you withhold love, you really are harming yourself. And when you love unconditionally, you are blessing yourself more than anything else that you can do. It is the it is the only safety there is. It's the only security there is. Because it's the only reason there is to be alive. People who are depressed or on drugs or whatever that they haven't found this. But they can and they will. All right. Um we remember when we talked about uh, love, truth going everywhere, our watches going everywhere. Well, this was a story, I've read it before, but and I wanted to read it last week, but I, I couldn't remember where I found it, and then the whole Louise sent it to me, which I'm very grateful for. And it, it, is, it is this. A young woman was suffering from TB and decided to travel from her home in England to the coast of Australia, hoping the climate would cure her. It didn't, and instead grew worse. But while sitting on the beach one day, she was suddenly well, completely and permanently. She went back to England and discovered her friends had taken up Christian science. Her friends wanted to go to America and had an appointment with Mrs. Eddy. The young woman wrote the time and place of her healing on a piece of paper and gave it to her friend. She had a strong feeling that Mrs. Eddy should be told of her healing. The friend took the paper and gave it to Mrs. Eddy, giving the facts of the healing. Mrs. Eddy's face shone, and she explained that at that particular time, she put her finger on the globe as far as possible from herself and set, sent forth a healing prayer. She had touched touched the coast of Australia, where the girl had been healed. Now she could put in her textbook the statement, quote, The still small voice of scientific thought reaches over continent and ocean to the globe's remotest bound, end quote. She had, she had known it was true, but did not, did not wish to include it until she had first proved it. Divine love. Okay, Linda. 
so beautiful, so beautiful that she proves everything. Yes. You know, she said not to make these statements, uh, radical statements, until you've proved them, okay? Because otherwise it is a tinkling, sounding brass and simple. Prove your statements, and then you can speak of them. Then you'll have the clout. You don't just go around quoting all this stuff. No. Prove it. Make it yours. Okay, Linda, you gave a beautiful example of Mrs. Eddie's love. Yes, that was a beautiful example of she gave us a how to handle those that are persecuting you. And it's a, a, it was about Mrs. Woodbury. And she had, I didn't realize how many years that she went on working with her and uh, facing Mrs. Woodbury had that wrong sense of womanhood and was using it to do all she could to disrupt the church. She was taking students away. She was just saying horrendous things that were not Christian science and and suing Mrs. Eddy. And I, I don't even know all the list. But this uh, particular story came from the founding by Doris Greckel. And it's under the chapter Persecution Intensified, and it's 1899. And this is toward the end of Mrs. Eddy's uh, dealing with Mrs. Woodbury, eventually they uh, excommunicated her, but she had done so much year after year to try to save Mrs. Woodbury before this and taught her students how to truly love. But in this particular case, this was the last time she invited Mrs. Woodbury to her home. And I think it was over a, a series of days and she did everything she could to uh, meet her at the train. Every, uh, I, I guess, few hours, she would send out carriages in hopes that Mrs. Woodbury would come. She dressed up uh, in her best clothes, and she used her time just to sit quietly and wait. And she instructed the staff to get come get her. She was on her carriage ride, and and in the meantime. She had one other instruction when she would go out on her drive. She, this is the story, and it says, quote, Just as she, Mrs. Eddy, was putting on her gloves, before entering her carriage, she called me from my writing and said, Will you promise me something? I said, Of course, I will, if it is something I can do. She said, if Mrs. Woodbury comes before I return, I want you to greet her kindly. I said, yes, mother, I will. Then she said, lovingly, with a note of interrogation in her voice. My answer was, I will try. Then she said, just heavenly. I answered, I will go upstairs and ask God to help me to do that to show me how. Lastly, she repeated, Now remember what I say, kindly, lovingly, just heavenly. I went to my room and prayed very earnestly to divine love to help me, for as it was right for her to feel that, it was right for me to manifest it. 
In a short time, I felt such a desire that she would come and willing to welcome her in the most heavenly way that I knew of, because I knew what a blessing there was awaiting her through an interview with our leader and a great good that would result. Last time, it was too late and too dark for her to have come. Our leader sat in the parlor waiting, after which she rose to return to sitting in her room and said, Oh, what a benediction of love she would have received. It would, it would have saved and comforted her, end quote. And that was uh, the end of that part of the story. And I, and I can find out who, I can't remember which student it was. Clara Shannon. Thank you. We, we have the article called A Lesson of Love on okay. our site that has that story. Okay. Thank you. It's also on the, you know, Long Year did three DVDs about Mrs. Betty. I think it's beautifully done on the last DVD. And it's, it's because this woman was bringing a law case suit against her, um, you would consider her, Mrs. Eddy could have considered her an enemy, causing right. a lot of trouble. But Mrs. Eddy loved, as the sun shines, she loved. You don't pick and choose who you're going to love. You just love. Anyone that God brings into your experience, you love. Um, you should feel this overwhelming sense of love for all of God's creation. That's such a beautiful story, uh, Mrs. Eddie loved, and of course, uh, Woodbury lost the lost the case. That's brought it pretty quickly, yeah, pretty quickly. But Mrs. Eddie met it all with with great love and compassion. Wonderful example. And more importantly, she lost that blessing. So. She what? Lost the blessing by not coming to Mrs. Eddie. And Mrs. Eddie, if she had an ounce of spiritual sense, she would have come because Mrs. Eddie yeah. was close to her. You know, I, I, sorry. I find it interesting when I'm looking for articles and people, without even being asked, send it to me. Mm-hmm. They, they hear my mental <laughs> calling and they send it to, to me like Louise has done a few times and others of you as well. Um, if you have any spirituality, even if the person isn't talking verbal words to you, you will hear the mental message and act upon it. All right. Sure. It's a lot like what Jesus said to Mary, my father which gave them me is greater than all. And Mrs. Eddie knew that that she couldn't lose her students if if she if they would just let her help. Thank you. Yes. Love love impels. Inspires, designates, and leads the way, she says. Um, in another article that Carrie sent, it said that uh, in Nave's topical Bible under the subheading Love of Man for Man, referenced 16 verses in the Old Testament and 307 in the New, urge upon mankind the necessity for loving, and which are an in, in exemplification of the love of man for man. It is truly and said that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel of love. All right, now Chardell, the oil oh, of- This is about the oil of gladness. I'll just read a little bit of it. Uh, well, I found in, in our lesson, uh, Mrs. Eddy wrote about Mary Magdalene and her devout consecration had with it the oil of gladness and the perfume of gratitude. 
Well, I just happened to be reading Hebrews, and I talked about the uh, oil of gladness in the first verse, number nine. And then I turned to the liberator, <laughs> just reading the liberator, and uh, the last one, no victim, and uh, it talks about the oil of gladness that healed a man who broke into Mrs. Eddie's home when she was alone. And first of all, he, uh, he called, they called him a lunatic. He was going to throw a chair at her head. She just looked at him. And, of course, he, he was healed. And then afterward, he looked up at her. He was on his knees holding his head. And he looks up at her. And he, he, he didn't know what had happened. But he said, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm in my right mind. And she said, yes. I have anointed you with the oil of gladness. Huh. And then I found Spurgeon, when I, uh, he has a whole article on it, and I can give it to Linda if she, if she wants it. Yeah. And uh, it's just this oil of gladness, and it's all joy. Uh, we must be joyful in all our watches and all we do, whatever we face. I thank you. <laughs> yeah. That was so beautiful that you came upon that beautiful healing that Mrs. Eddie performed and saying mm -hmm. that I did you with the oil of gladness that said some conversation followed in the course of which she learned that he was a talented and scholarly, the beloved son of a cultured and wealthy family residing on Beacon Street. He left the house clothed and in his right mind. I mentioned to you Mrs. Eddie's definition of oil consecration, charity, gentleness, prayer, heavenly inspiration. And to every morning, anoint yourself. That means to pour the oil upon yourself of, of that oil so you don't get rusty, stale, grumpy, and irritable. <laughs> Everything that keeps you running smoothly during the day. And it's so beautiful. Thank you so much for that, Shardell, and that beautiful yes. We won't have time to read that, but Virgin, the oil of gladness. You can put that on the list. And then what uh, Karen had talked to talked to us about, Herbert Rickey, Association Address, No Big Power Veto, 1948. He takes those statements from Science and Health that Mrs. Eddy talks about. Summit of devout consecration, oil of gladness, perfume of gratitude, tears of repentance, Hairs all numbered by the Father. I think so. One of our lessons a while ago, I, I did talk about this as well, but it is so beautiful, those pages. It starts on page 16. And he talks about the difference between consecration, to concentrate, to make or declare sacred or holy, to set apart or devote to the service or the worship of God. Is not this a good definition of a Christian science treatment? separates that from concentration, where you're just like grinding it out. <laughs> and and then he mentioned when you go to a church service, to make it consecrated. You're not sitting there trying to think and pray, and but just loving everyone there, having a conse consecrated time. Very beautiful. Ding, ding. Oh, I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Summit of 
consecration. Oh, sorry, we didn't talk about that. I'm going to end with what um, Chardell spoke about, the oil of gladness. And um, he says, if you will freshen it up regularly and if you will maintain a good quantity way up on the full mark, you can live at least 100 years without an ache or a pain and with no slowing down of normal activity. If you want to know exactly how much oil you have consciousness, just take a look at yourself in the mirror. Find a radiant, happy smile. Then you can be sure your oil is okay. But if you find a frown of disappointment, some sadness of self-pity, if there is resentment or anger expressed, you had better do something about it immediately. And then he quotes, um, all the gladness, joy and gladness in the world is not going to do to you or others very much good unless you express it in your daily living, in the tone of your words and your constant smiles. He says, if you don't have that, you need to go get a good joke book. Zeddy <laughs> 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 and Miscellaneous Writings, I agree with Reverend Dr. Talmadge that there are wit, humor, and enduring vivacity among God's people. And then, if you're going up a hard trip, a hard time, that's the time to be all the more joyful. Joy and gratitude are two essential ingredients. To any healing. So it goes on, but I know our time is up. So we will end with that. And thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.